0: Huzzah! I'm Spider and welcome to the Jacks Rangers a New England Free Jacks podcast and here is your host Phil Harris.
1: Yeah! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show, broadcasting from beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, here at the Granite Outpost. The offseason trots along here, quickly approaching the MLR Collegiate Draft that will be taking place this coming Thursday, August the 18th. We're calling this episode The Draft Part 1. In this episode, we spoke with collegiate rugby expert Zach Lanning, from College Rugby Wrap-Up. Really enjoyed talking to Zach, who is a wealth of knowledge in regards to collegiate rugby players in the United States and Canada. Really enjoyed talking to him. Very insightful about the Free Jacks position with a second and third round pick. No first round pick this year as it stands right now. Really excited to see who the Free Jacks draft. We had considered doing a live stream for that draft on Thursday, but instead I will be making an appearance on on the, the rugby rants draft live stream talking about the free jacks so uh please jump on there and uh, check out our friends over at the rugby rant during the collegiate draft oh by the way uh the free jacks made their biggest ever voted by you the fans biggest ever trade acquisition over a week ago with the acquisition of star young hooker Andrew Quatran who was traded from Toronto to Utah and then quickly to the Free Jacks. The Free Jacks just giving up salary considerations for him. A huge, huge deal. Obviously Free Jacks fans reeling a little bit with what took place in the Eastern Conference Final and that has carried us through the offseason but this definitely lifts the spirits of, of Rangers out there for sure with the acquisition of the best young hooker in major league rugby so we were able to speak with Andrew that was a huge uh, get for us Uh, reached out to him immediately and he immediately responded saying that he would be able to talk to us so that is a part of this episode what we'll do is we'll go with uh, Zach Lanning the collegiate rugby expert first in the interview and then followed by Andrew Quatran our new star hooker for the Free Jacks so saddle up let's ride for the draft part one here we go Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I'm joined with my buddy Dave McVeigh, who's feeling under the weather. And also, we've got a collegiate rugby expert here with us by the name of Zach Lanning. Zach, how are you?
2: Uh, I'm doing great, Bill. Uh, Dave, thanks for having me on. And can I just say congrats on your uh, 50th episode as well? That's a great milestone.
1: Appreciate that. Yeah, we just had the 50 uh, went by and uh, got a lot of uh, cool videos from folks. Uh, and you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great milestone. But at the same time, we're just you know we're storming right along with this thing, and, and hopefully we'll get to 100 at some point soon, and then far beyond that, you know, we'll have these uh, these uh, these great moments and milestones uh, that we can look back on and stuff like that. But yeah, it's been great. Uh, Zach, tell us about because I know that you're a part of the Rugby Wrap Up family of shows. Um, how Let's start with this. How do, where are you from? <laughs>
2: so yeah, uh, I'm a. Uh, I was born in New York, uh, but I'm a Jersey guy at heart. Um, and uh, now I'm currently residing though in uh, in Blue Hill, Maine. So I'm a I'm a New Englander now uh, by location. I went to college mm-hmm. in Massachusetts as well. So I spent a few years up north. Um, but originally, yeah, originally a
1: Jersey guy. Okay. Um, would you consider yourself a Free Jacks fan now? Or are you an adopted son of Mags? How's that work? I, I've had a
2: tough time uh, with the MLR because I, I, I do like Rugby New York, I think, are, are my number one team, but the Free Jacks make it very difficult to not root for them because I think they have <laughs> uh, the best kit. I've loved the collar jersey since the beginning um, and just the, they seem like a very, very fun, very fun group of guys. So uh, and they played great. So they've made it very difficult for me, but I think I'm Rugby New York at heart. I got to stick, uh, stick with my local my local club.
1: Fair enough, Vagabond RFC gets uh, gets your uh, your fandom there. Let's talk about um, how did you find rugby? What is your origin origin story with rugby?
2: So, actually, like I said, I'm born in New York, but I lived for three years uh, in London, England. My um, cool. family moved out there briefly. Uh, my dad was for work, took us out, and that's where I picked up the game at first. I was very young; uh, I was second hmm. grade, um, and then I've been playing very average rugby for 12 years after that since uh and i I just love the sport you know um never excelled but i've always had a great time met a bunch of great people playing the sport um and then i just recently started getting into you know following it um and and kind of commentating on it as a media member i guess Mm -hmm. um after i linked up with matt mccarthy uh rugby wrap-up who's taken me under under his wing and been very gracious uh and grateful with this uh, with his time so i uh that's kind of how I got started on the media side of things, but been a rugby player for for a very long time, all through high school and college as well.
1: How does that connection with rugby wrap up actually take place? I know he's like a mentor for you and stuff like that, but how did that come about? So we actually, um,
2: I was in television news for a long time in New Jersey, right out of college. I worked at a local PBS affiliate. Um, And I, I, I thought I always wanted to be a journalist. Uh, it, after a few years of that, I was like, maybe this isn't necessarily for me. Um, and I thought I kind of want to you know, chase my passion of, of rugby. I hadn't thought about a game for, for a while. Uh, so I reached out um, to try and get that started to uh, KJ Fury at Rugby New Jersey, uh, who are the governing body of the, the youth game in, in New Jersey, do an excellent job. KJ runs an excellent uh, ship out there, and they do a lot of great stuff uh, with the youth rugby uh, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I did a couple um, couple Zoom webinars for them kind of at the tail end of Covid. Uh, and one of the webinars that the um, one of the participants of the webinars had had been a friend of Matt's, and I'd mentioned that I was looking to kind of break into the rugby media space. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she connected me, gave me the phone number, um, and I think we talked on the phone for about four hours the first time uh, that I called him I did a lot of listening because uh, Matt is definitely you know possesses the gift of gab, uh, but he kind of laid it all out. He has so much knowledge of the game, and he he yeah. told me you know everything about the game in the states in that four hours. And ever since then, we've we haven't looked
1: back. You know, uh, Matt McCarthy and I like to poke at each other online. We have this online <laughs> rivalry, but I him so much i've been watching him way before mlr existed on the uh, rugby wrap-up so um you know he's a hero of mine for sure even though i give him shit all the time online um (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about college rugby right i mean i wouldn't consider myself an expert but i went to the university of south carolina i'm on the board of trustees for the uh, the the team now um it's just a disjointed mess if people are like trying to get into rugby right maybe they've seen mlr games they want to get more um I don't know, just see more things about rugby in the United States. College rugby is hard to follow, right? It's disjointed. There's all com- all kind of conferences. I mean, they have that in um, American football as well for the college game. But how do you keep track of all of it?
2: It is not easy, I'll tell you that. Um, it is becoming a little bit easier. I think uh, they're starting to wake up a little bit. The, the you know the people who who run the game, uh, mm-hmm. that the college level is going to be important for the you know the future of the development of the sport in the country. Um, it's gone definitely this latest announcement that the CRAA, uh, the Collegiate Rugby yeah. Association of America, has is kind of absorbing a couple other of the you know more independent conferences that were in uh, operation ACR um, and ACRA. Now they're really just two major conferences, the CRAA and the NCR, um, who are kind of duking it out. So it's a little easier to follow through that. I think I will say also right off the bat, thank God for someone like Alex Goff from the Goff Rugby Report, who yes. has been doing his best to untangle this this mess that is the college rugby for a very, very long time um, and is a source of a lot of information, um, is extremely well plugged in. Uh, on my end, it's also really just Twitter and Instagram that help me out as well. Just follow every team that I can on every platform mm-hmm. uh, you know, and hope that I catch something. So it's getting better. It's getting a little easier. You're starting to see a little more video available of teams, some games on the weekends you can watch, but still, still a long way to go, I'd say.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I, I did see the news about the, the combination of the conferences and stuff like that under uh, falling under one roof now. So hopefully that'll be helpful um, going forward with college rugby. It, it's one of those things that's kind of untapped, right? There, there. It needs more exposure because there's MLR and then there's like really high caliber club teams below that. But college kind of gets overlooked because I guess it's just it's so disjointed. But maybe if things get you more unified and stuff like that, we'll see better uh, results with exposure and stuff like that. So uh, let's move over over to the mlr drafts right so the draft is just right around the corner august 18th so we're in the month of august so you know this is uh we're, we're right around the corner here for the mlr drafts um who are some of the prospects in this year's mlr draft that will likely be selected early on in the draft probably the free jacks won't have a shot at them uh, unless things differ from where we are right now with the draft order
2: Sure, just also on, on the last point, one last thing I wanted to say that I think the college game is the way that it is because it was such, you know, it was a social thing for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm As a club, when I played at Holy Cross, I was the club president junior year and I was scheduling buses, scheduling referees, uh, you know, paying our coach uh, out of our club salary from the school. So there are a lot of, the people that are involved in that are very, you know, passionate, dedicated individuals who have pulled this game along for many years. So I don't want to take anything away from, from those people, you know, uh, who who are in charge now, who have, have kind of given a lot without getting a lot uh, for for a long time. So, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's starting to change a little bit. But we have a, a lot of, of college talent that is available for MLR franchises to pick from in this upcoming draft. I mean, I've been going through uh, the list of 143 names who have declared for the draft from every conceivable school, you know, that you can think of. The biggest names to some random schools that I've never even heard of. So. Uh, It's a lot of grinding tape and everything. But for me, the number one overall pick uh, unanimously in my mind is going to be Sam Gala out of Cal. Uh, Especially when you're looking at Dallas, first two years in the draft, they've had that first overall pick. And they've gone for kind of the explosive playmaker, um, you know, where you had last year, Eric Naposki out of UCLA, who's on the Mm -hmm. team still. Um, But this year, I think they need to go in the direction of Sam Gala, who is a second row loose forward uh, out of Cal who is probably the most pro-ready prospect you're going to see coming out of the college game. Uh, is Has the size, the athleticism, uh, does the dirty work well, the fundamentals. You know, he, he rucks well, counter rocks, uh, great ball carrier, strong in, in the scrums, uh, strong tackler and a leader on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, was so for that Cal team. He was a finalist for uh, Rudy Schultz Award this year. He's just an all around uh, excellent, excellent player. So I, I see him as the unanimous number one pick because um, I don't see that kind of same explosive athleticism that I think would tempt Dallas uh, to to go a different direction like they did last year. Uh, Sam Gala, to me is very similar to Emmanuel Albert uh, from Lindenwood in last year's draft, who okay. you, who Dallas passed on, ended up in Houston, and I think mm-hmm. will you know will soon uh, make a, a huge impact for Houston. So I think Dallas goes with Sam Gala this year.
1: It's interesting I, I did see on the college rugby wrap-up uh, you guys had a short out on YouTube talking about how Cal has never had a player drafted they, they have guys in the MLR it's very interesting what a huge powerhouse when I were gro- when I was growing up they used to win championships uh, every single year it seems like but it's interesting that they haven't had a guy drafted and it's possible now that they're gonna have the uh, the first overall pick drafted so that's that's good for that program for sure that seems to kind of have fallen off a little bit I mean those guys you know when I was growing up they were the the top top level. And, um, you know, it's now like Lindenwood in life, it seems. But um, let's talk about the Jacks currently have a second, uh, one second round pick and one third round pick in this year's MLR draft. What position do you think the Jacks will need to target in this draft? So you look
2: historically, uh, New England has gone after the you know they've nailed their first ever pick overall at loose forward with Justin Johnson who's who's mm-hmm. been great um, and then they've targeted props as well. Uh, yep. Spencer Kruger still on mm-hmm. the team and that from that first round of draft picks uh, Anthony Adamchak out of Penn State unfortunately chose not to to join on with the team. Um, uh, but they, you know they've gone after those two props uh, and then you know a couple of back row are uh, backline players as well with with kale Hodgson who ended up in Dallas um right. and then you know Zach Bastros who was uh a, quite a surprise for you guys from the third round so yeah. I think uh you know you, they'll probably look for another prop you should New England should probably target props again I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of depth um especially you know in the second and third round where you have those picks uh those those prospects are going to fall they're going to be some guys who are great athletes but need that refinement uh you know that technical refinement yep. that you're going to find some diamonds in the rough in those later rounds and then I saw you know your fan poll online. People were looking <laughs> for New England to take a fly half. I've heard you may have lost uh, some talent, some some guy who was pretty good. Uh, yeah, he position, was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Somebody who uh, had a pretty good
3: year. So somebody I, I don't, walk, I don't any, know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like that. I, I don't.
2: I couldn't. Yeah. I can't remember. But uh, walking walk off into a, the
3: sunset to go play. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. He sure did. He took that bag and yeah. ran.
2: But, yeah, yeah. As, as what I have done. I mean, he had a, yeah, a phenomenal season. I, I, he was just electric to watch. Um, yeah, do I think there's a Waka in this draft? who will walk in right away and be good? No, I don't think that. Um, obviously not. But in the second and third round, why not take a shot on a, a position, especially one of those you know kind of specialized positions, and start developing for the future. Fly half or yeah. scrub half. They're, they're both deep. They're both a, a long list of, of quality athletes at those positions in the draft. Um, and, you know, you're not going to get that pro ready guy if you're not in that first round in those first five or six picks. So yeah. take a shot on
1: a developmental guy. And, you know, sure. uh, there are a couple of names that I like. OK, um, you know, ultimately, you know, with with the fly half thing, I think people look at team need. Uh, and don't really realize that it's more of a development slash depth situation when you're in the second and third round and, and not early in the first round with with picking guys. But that's OK. You know, we put the poll out there and that's what was voted on. So, you know, uh, there there it is. So um, ultimately, at this point, you know, we, as we've talked about, we've got a second and third round pick. Throw some names out there to us for so Free Jacks can, fans can get a little familiarized with some of these guys that may be on the board at that time that the Free Jacks may have a shot at.
2: Right, so if we do want to talk fly half development, I'll throw a couple of names at you. I think Mike Weir is probably the premier fly half in this draft uh, out of Dartmouth. You had him in your building for a while this year uh, in the on your developmental program. He did declare for the draft. Uh, I think he'll probably go, uh, it, it, possibly in the first round. If he's there in the second round, I think you should scoop him up for sure. Uh, great field vision, total package. You know, can make every kick. Um, a little, little undersized possibly, but. Uh, I think he, he's going to be the real deal. Um, outside of Mike Weir, I really like Shane Barry out of UCLA, um, who was a, a four-year starter at fly half there at UCLA. Okay. Great athlete, incredible athlete. C- again, can make every kick, sees the field well, uh, can, you know, puts put his teammates into space consistently uh, throughout the game. And UCLA was frisky this year. Uh, and a lot of that was in, par- in part due to Shane Barry's play at fly half. They took Cal and St. Mary's to the brink in a couple of games. And he had a chance to hone his craft under Harry Bennett, uh, former Rugby New Jersey, Rugby New York uh, fly half uh, at, in the MLR. So he's the coach of UCLA now. And, you know, that I think he's he's going to be a quality player uh, outside of him. Lewis Hollidge from Central Washington is another name at fly half. I'll throw out. Uh, you know, he played rugby union and rugby league uh, at okay. points in his career. So you know some multifaceted experience. He's got a solid boot, large arsenal of kicks, and a strong runner. Um, so he might be good. And uh, dark horse at fly half, Matthias Karamudi uh, from Thomas Moore University. So much smaller school, uh, D two school. Didn't ha- didn't play the best competition, but I watched him play at some all star games. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in my time last season, and he really he really impressed me on the field. So it might be what well, look out uh, for Matthias Karamudi possibly. As a dark horse candidate um i don't know other positions i have as well i can keep going through the list stop me go. But I have, uh, no go right uh, ahead man but if you're looking for someone in the, in the back line you know to play the center position um you know just an athlete to, to make a difference there's a local boy for you guys uh miles de out at a boston university who i really okay. liked um you know he definitely has the build he's, he's a solid guy uh, he's a strong fearless tackler in the back line and open in the open field a uh, great athlete he ran a 4.69 40 meter at the rugby showcase, uh, which was the second fastest time there. So he's got some speed for sure. Uh, a little bit concerned about the level of competition that he faced. Boston right. University doesn't play the toughest schedule; they don't play the highest, you know, uh, level of competition in the state. But he was definitely physically dominant at that level, which is what you want to see from guys who are kind of uh, you know not in that top tier. If they can dominate at you know physically, athletically, that competition, then I think you know they would translate well uh, to another game. Or to to the to the pro game. Uh, Nate Curtis from Central Michigan is another great center prospect that that I would look for. He's a he's a finisher. He's got elite speed um, and athleticism and against elite competition. Central, you know, he played in the NCR All Star game and dominated as well. So okay, uh, great 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 vision in the open field. I like him a lot. Uh, I will say so. Prop, I think, is one of the positions that most likely New England will target, and I have yep. so there's some really, really promising uh, prospects there. My favorite, uh, so I will say, Gabe Kettering is probably the top prop prospect in the draft as well from Lindenwood. He'll he'll most likely go in the first round, but Trent Rogers from Kutztown, uh is very intriguing to me. He's a super athletic and versatile guy for for a very big man. He's a six foot two eighty, and I saw him. He was playing sevens matches and putting putting jukes on people and stepping Whoa. people. And I was like, "This guy, this guy's." It blew me away. Um, nice. You know, he's powerful. Yeah, he had. He also had the the highest number of reps uh, on the bench press at the rugby showcase. He put up 225 pounds 29 times. So nice. you know he's strong. Love um, it. and And down is yeah. down is no joke. So he, he, I think yeah. he, he if he
1: slips to the second round, early second round,
2: that that's somebody you want to get on your squad.
1: I'm loving this stuff that you're throwing out here, Zach. This is really, really impressive stuff, man. Um, let, let's talk about real quick, before I let Dave take over, um, Zach Bastris, right? Um, diamond in the rough, late selection uh, for the you know New England fans, love late selections and drafts, right, Tom Brady? I mean, I can go on and on. Uh, what prospects uh, in the late third round or that could go undrafted that are flying under the radar now. Do you have any other names that you can throw out at us that might uh, get in that third round or possibly even just sign on after the draft is over with that doesn't get selected?
2: Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to know sometimes where these guys are going to go outside of that first round just because you don't know how MLR franchises value them or mm-hmm. what kind of film they've seen or who they've talked to, you know, coach-wise. Or And also, so international slots come into play as well. Some of these guys, especially from the top programs like Lindenwood, uh, yep. aren't, you know, U.S.- citizens are gonna they're gonna mess with your foreign slot calculation there so that they'll drop in drafts but I think the position to watch for either the third round or the supplemental draft is going to be that scrum half position because there are a lot of incredible athletes there who may not even you know necessarily need to play scrum half at the next level um and they're just people that you're probably gonna be able to scoop up basically for free once the draft goes because they don't MLR franchises don't necessarily invest picks in the scrum half position that's another thing we talked about on our college rugby wrap-up show you know how generally they avoid drafting that because there are so many that come out, um, and they're just you know that's not generally a position that you're going to fill with with a, a young college guy. So uh, Evan Conlon from Lindenwood is is the real deal. at scrum half. I think he'll probably go first round. But another Kutztown guy, uh, Kawe, who plays scrum half, uh, is a great athlete. I think he'll probably be available either the late rounds um, or you know supplemental draft. Uh, Sebastiano Villani from St. Bonaventure uh, is just a competitor. He's just a guy who loves the game. Um, And the St. Bonaventure Bonnies won the NCR championship in the fall, uh, and he was great for them. He's a great, great athlete. Um, So somebody, again, that could surprise if he's taken later in the draft. Um, He he has all the intangibles. That's something you want to see from a guy coming in. Um, Other than that, yeah, I think, you know, some loose forwards, uh, Tomas Casares from Thomas Moore University, another Thomas Moore University guy. Uh, for some reason, I love that school. I've seen some guys from there that are just great. Um, you know, he brings a lot to the table. Uh, and at the center spot, Ethan Barry uh, from UConn is, a, is another guy I think could go late third round. Uh, you know, he was a little undersized, but another guy who just leaves it all on the line. He leaves it all out there. Um, you know, he was the captain of that UConn squad did not play the best schedule, did UConn, not at the highest level of competition. But I think what makes those late picks uh, really pan out is is the guy who comes in who wants to learn and, and just loves the game and just wants to get better. Um, and I think Ethan Berry, you know, he has some top-level speed. Uh, he, he's shifty in the open field. Uh, and so if he is hungry and he wants to learn, that's somebody that the Free Jacks could bring in and, and really, you know, he could shine for them going forward
1: awesome i did want to throw one name out there that hasn't been mentioned yet uh might go as an undrafted uh my boy captain of the Gamecocks, john golden who plays fly half uh for the university of south carolina one hell of a player uh captain like he started all four years just an incredible player so did want to throw that name out there but dave go ahead and take it away my friend
3: i'll add dylan farachi friend of the show absolutely big free jacks yep. fan new england college guy I know he's he's excited. I saw he declared a while ago uh, when he shared it on social media. I was happy for him. Um, We've talked a lot about specific players. Uh, I want to back it up a little bit and talk about the landscape. Um, You answered a couple of my questions, just because you gave really good thorough answers earlier in the interviews uh, with Phil. But uh, I was a player. I came up in the club system. I started playing for uh, New London County Rugby uh, when they formed up in the early 2000s. And then I went and played one part of one season at UConn. And uh, it sounds a lot like what you talked about when you were in college, where it somehow was less organized even than like the Nerfu club rugby I was used to. It was purely social, you know, almost barely a connection to the university other than just everybody went there, you know. Uh, The players did everything, like you mentioned, do it, right in the checks, scheduling buses. Um, And uh, it just kind of blew my mind. It was not what I was expecting. when I went into college rugby so how that was 20 years ago now how has that changed in 20 years so you mentioned UConn you know I can't imagine we're talking about drafting players out of that same system system you know in air quotes that was there when I was there which was like (laughs) a bunch of guys partying all week you know on our rugby field
2: yeah I think you know in in some ways uh the game has stayed the same in 20 years. I think there's still that, that collegial atmosphere around the game in a lot of programs, which I think a lot of people love about college rugby. You now That's what people watch. That's why people play in college because it's a great way to, to meet people in college and get out and just have fun uh, with your friends, You a know, great group of, of, of people that can get together. Uh, but at the higher levels, uh, at the D1A programs, you know, the D1 programs, uh, even D1 one aa now some you're seeing more varsity schools as well more school money coming in you're starting to see places like uh, Marion University or Nazareth College who are starting programs at the varsity level. Um, so you're starting to see a little some more money flow in uh, and a little more organization as well. I mean, it's you NCR kind of, you know, breaking off and, and forming its own thing, I think lit a fire under a lot of programs, um, and they do a very good job of of kind of representing these programs and, and providing you know, social media support uh and promoting the game at that level, some organizational uh assistance as well. Um and that's kind of prompting CRAA to step their game up as well. And you know, you're starting to see that trickle down. So I, I do think that these programs are schools are starting to realize that there is potential in these rugby programs at the men's level, schools that don't have top tier, you know, uh football programs or basketball programs and are like, we're never gonna break in there maybe we can try a different path um the rugby programs are relatively cheap to run as if a school yeah. as well I mean there's not you don't need a whole lot so I think you're starting to see some more money trickle in some better organization uh in these last 20 years um and it's just the advent of the rugby network as well and some of the college games that they highlight you're starting to see college rugby players on your TV screen more often and the, the number of competitions has kind of exploded as well you're seeing I mean just the summer with the rugby showcase and the collegiate rugby shield, um, and you know the MLR combines and the All Star Games, for NCR and every sevens tournament. I mean, it's it's. I don't think any of that was happening. Little, you know, it may have been happening, but it wasn't being broadcast uh, at yeah. all. So I think you're starting to see a lot of that change, and it's only it's only going to get better. I think you know, next five ten years down the line.
3: Yeah, that competitive structure um, really adds a lot of. I hesitate to say legitimacy because I know how hard people are working and how passionate they are, but. I mean, well, it adds structure. You know, it it lets people understand what's going on, who's playing who, what's the big game this week, all that stuff that I think um, can really help fans. Because we've already talked about how challenging it can be to try to follow college rugby. Um, Yeah, I'll tell you, I still – it seems to me like some
2: people's places still struggle with just putting the schedules out. So it's very difficult for me sometimes to even find out when people are playing or where. Uh, So I'd like to see that start – uh, first as well but no that it, it is getting better um, and and I, yeah I just also it's I talk i go back and forth on this as well you know I don't want college rugby to become uh, a business like you know you see in the other sports become uh, at the college level because I think there is a, a, a purity about the you know the culture of the game at the college level that's just it's it's supposed to be fun as well you know it's supposed to be a good yeah. time for kids who you know guys who are and girls who are going into college um, and, and just looking for something to do to get out and run around so I'd like to see Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a separation of two things or it's kind of doing a better job of, of you know, tiering these divisions, but having a space for people who just want to play the game for fun. Uh, and then those people who are looking to go to go pro and make that their career, um, you know, because there had never been a pathway before. Uh, so right. now, you know, I just kind of like to assure we maintain that that core identity of the college game, uh, as well as kind of making it easier for, for players to, to pursue that
0: dream.
3: Definitely. Um, You mentioned already Harry Bennett coaching at UCLA. MLR is old enough now that we got MLR retirees who are moving into (laughs) coaching positions. So do you see either already or in the near future, MLR affecting the college rugby landscape? I do. Um, I mean, again, just alone having that
2: pathway, having that pie, a cake in the sky that players can look and say, oh my God, like I have somewhere to go. You know, if I better myself, if I, you know, try my best and practice hard, I can I can take my game to the next level here in the U.S. I don't have to go abroad. But also you're already starting to see that trickle down effect. I mean, I watched uh, a Fordham side play in NCR tournaments and playoff tournaments and I watched Ben Foden stride up and down the sideline, you know, coaching his, his Fordham guys. So you're starting to see international level talent um, just imparting wisdom to younger guys in the States and that will only continue, you know, a lot of the Rugby in New York guys did that as well. Um, so I, I do think that MLR will have an impact. And. You know, we've seen also some college sides start playing some of these uh, developmental squads as well as some of these, you know, academy sides. So just another level of of competition that's added for college teams. Um, The impact has been huge. So I I think, yeah, it's it's only going to the relationship is only going to strengthen, you know, each other. I think it's completely mutually beneficial for both sides.
3: Yeah. And I I know we see uh, Josh Larson, Phil, you'll know for sure he's back at Clemson this season. Is that uh, right, no, he Coach? Not. He oh no, a I thought wise
1: decision not to go there because there's nothing there. <laughs> there's no, Well, yeah, yeah. Is it just okay. I thought I, right. I thought I
3: saw a post on social media, but maybe it was a year old. Uh, yeah, I think or... he was
1: just promoting their upcoming schedule for the fall. Oh, okay,
3: yeah. okay, that makes sense. He coached there last year, um, so that yeah, just correct. another one of those M.L.R. guys. Lots of you know rugby news there with him passing on to college players. Um, you talked a little bit already about the uneven schedules and the kind of two tiers, competitive tiers between serious D1 programs that have budget and, and you know staff and all those things that turn, seem, tend to really help teams. Um, and then other teams that are a little bit more social. Is it challenging as somebody in the media um, who is reporting on these players to compare across such big gulfs in program structure and competitive schedule that always is what's most impressive to me about the drafts is how these team managers guys like tk you know for the free jacks can really drill down and look at the film they get and come to conclusions and find the the diamonds in the rough you know when they really have in a lot of circumstances not a lot to work with so how do you do that
2: yeah, I, I mean, it's it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, and I, I would not, you know, ever date to be on the same level as someone like uh, TK, who's, who's breaking down this film and has a great eye for, you know, for talent. I All I could do is sit and watch the highlight reels and say, you know, uh, again, look at that level of competition and say, OK, this guy's maybe not playing the toughest competition right now. He's probably a better athlete than 90 percent of the other team. Is he showing that level of dominance that you would expect? And I think people do that in the collegiate level as well. You know, for football, I'm saying like if you're looking in the NFL draft, you know, program, you know, is he incredibly dominant um, or is he kind of just rising slightly above? So it does make a difference. And because for me, I struggle as well. Like I'm watching film on some of these Lindenwood guys who were not you know not starters for Lindenwood. they didn't they didn't get a lot of time on the field they didn't crack that starting 15 are they better than somebody who played four years at UConn you know and started every game uh I, that that's very difficult to tell you kind of just have to look for the little things and you, you give them a little bit of an edge because you know okay well they, they have a very solid coach and Josh Macy they have you know they're probably well versed in the fundamentals of the game as well um, so even if they're not getting on the field, you know, they're, they're learning from the right. better players who are in the field uh, and they're in that structure. So I, I think it is it is tough um, because there is there is a large talent gap uh, between the top top tier teams uh, and some of the more I wouldn't say, you know, more social clubs uh, towards, you know, lower down the division totem pole. So it, it's tough. I don't I don't have a I don't have a <laughs> great answer for that. We just try your best and see what you know, see what you think from the film.
1: Uh, we did get a question from Bozo, or not a question, just a comment. And I absolutely agree here. What he said is the decisive factor for American rugby is access to coaching. Athletes don't know what they don't know, and we have athletes in bunches. Not enough coaching. Love to see the MLR retirees or otherwise get stuck in. There you go. Bozo with the mic drop there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, <laughs> I, I think yeah.
3: it's, it's just a huge way that um, it's going to impact the game. Uh, just having all of that rugby knowledge that those guys can pass on. And it seems to be a popular activity for MLR players. You know, these guys have limited schedules. They're, you know, weird. They have no life during the MLR season, and they have half the year <laughs> where they got to, like, find jobs and make stuff work. So it seems like a pretty, you know, square peg, square hole situation uh, where it helps everybody out.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's coaching is, is a huge thing. Piece of the puzzle um just because at the college level you know for the longest time you, you just it was a very simple approach to the game where you know you're like okay let's crash a few phases up here with our, our huge guys i'll we'll make a couple meters and then you get it out to the backs you know and then like yeah. you that wins games most of the time because you're playing an opposition that's not super sophisticated defensively you know you're not and then but you're not getting them that skill work you need that is imperative at, at the pro level like it's a huge a huge right. gap, you know. When you're not kicking strategically, or you're not trying, to, you're not looking for the space on the on the pitch. You're not kind of used to to setting people up. You know, thinking two or three phases ahead. You're just used to beating, uh, you know, the other team based off athleticism alone, and maybe a couple very simple, you know, simple phases. And, and to having that coach to drill that into you at the college level when you're young, you can kind of get a handle on it. Makes you much that much more pro ready when you get to, to the MLR. Um, and there are very few programs that do that
3: right now. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely don't have a lot of opportunities to develop many skills there. You know, if you're a player who could be very successful in that crash ball, yeah, maybe you're a big lock or somebody who's like, yeah, I'm really good at running eight meters really hard. <laughs> um, but then when you get set into a structured offense and you need to be able to make a read and make a tip pass, you know, it, it, you just have never done that before. Um, it's it's a really challenging situation.
2: Yeah, I mean, in today's game, you see, you're seeing props, you know, kick strategically, and like in Ireland, I'm thinking like, you know, uh, like just guys like that, you have to know how to do everything at every position and be incredibly, you know, uh, well well versed. And I, you just you don't always see that um, uh, from guys at the college level now. So yeah, I
3: yeah, like Chris's comment, we don't know how to crack an organized defense. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's you know, you just want to roll it over, and when it doesn't work, I certainly myself on the field have run out of options. Just go, Whoa, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> we've tried we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas <laughs>
2: just give up yeah
3: stay at home yeah um so can you give listeners who maybe want to get into college rugby maybe we've kind of lit a little bit of a fire what are some of the top programs to keep an eye on in the east and in the west and those are the two main divisions right within college rugby geographically yeah, anyways, so, yeah, in terms yeah. of scheduling and
2: yeah, and that's one of the big divides in college rugby too. Is that you know seasonality is a big word that gets thrown around a lot uh, when you talk about college rugby because generally on the East Coast, those teams are playing their 15s in the fall, um, and they're generally and and um, NCR teams. Whereas the 15s teams on the West Coast are generally CRAA teams, and they're playing their 15s in the spring along with their sevens, and they've done that for for generations, for decades. So neither team, no side wants to kind of change that up. Um, but on the East Coast. You know, I think you want to look at uh, kind of the top teams uh, on the NCR level. Uh, I like St. Bonaventures. Um, Queen's University Charlotte is a, is a very good up-and-coming program as well. Have a couple guys in the draft this year um, that are very solid. I mean, you have your your standard, you know, top flight programs. Penn State is is a great follow. You know, they've been they, – they do a very good job of kind of promoting their, their games as well. Um, Army, who won the championship this year, uh, have had a great season. They're always fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, on the East Coast, I have to put in Iona for Colby uh, as well for the <laughs> yes. Rugby Rapp, I have to say it. Uh, and my cousin plays on Iona as well, Jerry Lanning. So, yeah, tune into their games. They're, they're going to be an exciting squad to watch. Um, I got, I got I'm two I'm definitely, more. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, Dartmouth ahead. Dartmouth College obviously uh, up here in New Hampshire, traditional strong side always. And the University of South Carolina is up and coming, guys. I'm going to tell you this right now. Coach John Roberts has won multiple national championships at the small college level, has come home to the University of South Carolina. We've got 19 new incoming freshmen, all with high school rugby experience, coming to South Carolina. In the next couple of years, we're going to be so good, man. So excited.
2: yeah i'll admit i have i have slept on on south carolina the gamecocks and i apologize i'll have to put them on my schedule for sure going forward i I, uh i I, I take your word for it yeah uh so dartmouth yeah definitely a quality program um and west coast i mean you have the midwest as well uh i will also say life university is an east coast team uh, out of atlanta who are must must watch top tier um team uh always always competitive uh and i think Kind of coming out of a bit of a a dip and into an upswing here with some young talent. Um, The the Law Brothers, who you'll see in the draft, I think, in the next couple of years, but they stayed uh, for this year for life. So um, then, you know, West Coast side of things, Cal is obviously historically the best program out there uh, in Major League Rugby, or sorry, in rugby at the college level. Um, St. Mary's, again, the Gales are a fantastic program. UCLA is an up-and-coming team that are fun to watch. Uh, Arizona up-and-coming as well. Um, but you also want to look at squads like Arkansas State, who are very good. Uh, Central Washington University, CWU are very good. BYU has been fantastic the last couple of years and just have destroyed people, uh, generally fly under the radar as well. Um, but they're they're a team to watch for sure. Uh, and the best program probably in the country right now, hands down, is Lindenwood, uh, although they did not. They did not win the championship this year um they're always uh very dominant uh they had a great fly half in evan williams who is a future star uh for sure so uh, you know those are my teams to watch but generally i would say just watch whatever team you can whatever team is local to you you know whoever if you have a, a an affiliation to a college or university that you went to look up their team on on social media find out when they're playing where they're playing if they're streaming it uh, I wish I could watch more Holy Cross games. Uh, that's where I that's where I went to college, that's where I played. Um, they had a good in the small college division. Had a great year this year. Uh, Jack yeah. Swords is on that team. Played prop, whose whose uh, whole family basically played for the USA Eagles as well. So he's descended from from rugby royalty <laughs> in the states, uh, and he's he's played really great too. So uh, just yeah, watch watch the team that you love and, and implore them to stream their games. Just put a camera. On a, on a high rise or a bleacher in the field and just point it you know and and put it on the internet it's not that hard so uh, let's get some more teams getting their games out there
3: absolutely speaking of supporting the teams we love i have to give a shout out to skylar jordan who's a big free jacks fan her mom jen jordan big in the youth rugby community uh, also a huge fan. I know them from meeting Jen at Free Jacks matches. Skyler's headed to Harvard to play for the Harvard women uh, this fall. She has been she was recruited there. And uh, so shout out to Skylar, Congratulations. And it's not going to impact the draft, but, you know, what's your elevator pitch for women's college rugby? What does that landscape look like? Um, and who are some of the are, – are, are there a lot of programs that are big in both? Or do you find that it's, you know, different schools are at the highest level for men's and women's? No, it's, it's generally generally similar
2: um, I, it's in terms of which programs are, are top tier. And for the women, I think there is an even starker disparity between the, the very, very good programs. They play in, you know, the D1 elite programs on the women's side. Life, Lindenwood, uh, Penn State and Central Washington University are kind of the big the big four. Uh, and then, you know, outside of that, there are still some solid programs. But, you know, the, the gap kind of falls off. But I personally might be a a bigger fan of the women's collegiate game uh, than I am the men's. I mean, on our, on our college, rookie wrap up show, uh, I'm generally the one to kind of, you know, run down the the action from the women's side of things. Um, And I just, I just, I don't know. I found that that it's, you know, a lot of really, really talented athletes and a lot of players who just love the game um, and are willing to kind of, sacrifice it all out there uh some some really huge clashes when you're watching those top tier programs it's just it's incredible um you know the talent that you get uh from from you know homegrown players here in the states uh just just put it out there on the pitch i will say yeah in naira uh, the national intercollegiate rugby association uh are some incredible teams as well uh we'll see that harvard crimson side uh you'll see a dartmouth side um brown you know a lot of ivy league schools but they are slowly pushing towards becoming um, an NCAA sport. Uh, they're an emerging sport currently in the NCAA. Uh, and I think they're very close to their sprint to 40. They're trying to get to 40 teams uh, to declare, you know, themselves as, as interested in, in taking that next step to become a varsity program under the NCAA. Um, and they're very close. I think they're like late 20s. There are some conflicting numbers, but they're, they're approaching 30 at this point. Princeton University just joined uh, one of my, you know, my home state schools, uh, so they're, they're slowly growing. But those games are, are very impressive as well. Those those Ivy League teams, especially now at Brown, uh, the former coach of life, Roz Chow, just took the, the job at Brown University. So Dartmouth, who have been pretty dominant uh, in that in that space, are going to have to watch out for Brown now, um, who had some great athletes of their own. So um, yeah, I, I love the women's game. Penn State uh, is excellent as well. University of Northern Iowa, I, I watched a lot of. Uh, they had some great players this year. Um, Maggie Rogers and Sierra Sanderson Edwards, who played some in some all-star tournaments, who I just love watching uh, uh, play the game. So, yeah, I think it's it's they don't they often don't get the same amount of uh, you know coverage as as the men's side of things. I think in rugby it's a little better even than other yeah. sports. I think you know Lindenwood. The women's side have been incredibly dominant for the, like the better part. of they've won literally everything for, for the last like two or three years, um, and you know they, I think they do get a lot of a lot of coverage uh, as well. But you know you'll start to see some teams get better um, and, and kind of chip away at, at their their you know the throne that they sit atop right now of, of the women's college game. So that'll be very interesting to watch as well when you can
3: finally start to see some some programs uh, scare them
2: a little bit. But it might be a year or two away from that.
3: Nice. Well, it sounds like it's an interesting time to tune into the women's game, which I'll definitely be. I already told Jen I'll be there for some Harvard matches. aw sign in hand, ready to rip it up and support the Crimson. So um, thank you. That was my last question. I really appreciate your time. I'm sure Phil has a little bit more for you. This has been really fun.
1: Yeah, Zach, you sure, can also man, really appreciate it. Uh, throw out your social media and uh, promote uh, College Rugby Wrap Up for us, please. Sure. Yeah. So I personally am uh, at Lanning
2: Zach, L-A-N-N-I-N-G-Z-A-C-H. And then our college rugby wrap up newly formed Twitter handle that we're still we're still getting the hang of getting our socials together for that uh, at CRWU rugby. Um, But the the general at rugby wrap up always putting out good content and promoting all of our uh, platform content. Matt is still Pumping out interviews, he just had the owner of Rugby New York on the other day, um, so he's still got some great content coming. You can find us on yeah, Twitter, on Instagram at Rugby Wrap Up. Uh, Matt also, I will say, has a phenomenal TikTok account. If you can find <laughs> him out there, he's got some gems uh, that I, I he's he would. just uh, yeah, he would. unintentionally like the best at TikTok that I've ever seen. And he I keep I keep pushing him to do more. So look for him in that space. Um, but yeah, watch us. Our college rugby wrap up show is going to be coming out in podcast form every week uh, leading up to the draft we're working on some exciting live stuff possibly during the draft itself I, I don't want to awesome. give too much away on that front but you know stay tuned we're gonna have something for that and then we'll have previews into the college season and then you know recaps and previews until the end of time uh, it seems there's college rugby all through the year because the fall and, and spring seasons. so that's right you know, we'll be that's around true. so check us out
1: yeah, very good. You've been very generous with your time here, Zach. We've got one more thing that we're going to get out of here. It is the storm along one word association here. So I'm going to say, you know, one or two words. And the first thing that pops in your mind, throw it back at me. Okay. All right. You got it. MLR. Uh, free jazz. <laughs> the next one is New England. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh... Free Jacks, <laughs> <laughs> rugby wrap up. This is not going to be Jacks. I guarantee that. Matt McCarthy. All right, draft. Uh, beer. Free. Okay, Free Jacks. Uh, second place. All right, and the last one here is our best friend. It's I mean, it's fair. Um, the next one is it's our best friend, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt McCarthy is the last one. Bald. <laughs> yes, he is. He's very bald. <laughs> All right, uh, we appreciate you being on here, Zach. This is awesome. You have to come back on here at some point. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, we say one word, and since you are in New England now, I think you can say it as well with us. And it's in three, two one huzzah huzzah. Huzzah. huzzah rangers this is phil harris here at the jacks rangers show we've got a very very special guest this time around dave of course is joining us as uh, the co-host this time around we've got somebody extremely special a brand new face to the free jacks organization just recently traded to the free jacks andrew Quatran how the hell are you i'm good
0: phil and dave thanks for having me guys honestly it's uh it's you're welcome welcoming and, and i appreciate it uh no thanks so much
1: uh, I think you're in Canada still right now. Tell us where you're from and how you got into rugby.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm living in Toronto right now. I'm from a small town called Holland Landing. Um, I live there uh, with my mom um, when I'm not living in Toronto. And uh, yeah, I just I we don't football is not as big I guess in Canada as it is in, uh, in the States. So mm-hmm. my high school actually didn't have a football team. So um kind of played hockey kind of played i loved baseball but i didn't i didn't really hit puberty until a little later so like (laughs) i I wasn't getting big hits or anything and just loved playing in the field but uh eventually when i was like 17 i started playing rugby yeah and uh loved it fell in love with it um as most people do right Mm -hmm. um and yeah just ever since then i've kind of have always had the itch i would say so no it's been great it's uh it's an Awesome. awesome sport and like would genuinely as you fellows probably do recommend it to everyone like it's just of course yeah it's amazing so
1: yeah i consider myself a rugby evangelist like people know that i'm always talking about rugby (laughs) i'll bring it into conversations when it's not like necessary or whatever just to to talk about it just to spread the word of rugby the good word of rugby but uh let's talk about um uh, you know with you being traded like uh, what was the emotions like because you're a hometown kid right i mean toronto Uh, You're an um, Ontario guy. Like, what was the emotions going through your mind when you heard the news? Yeah, I think it
0: it was tough. Like, it's a a tough decision. Um, I think you know, there's an opportunity. There's opportunities a lot of places in the MLR. Right, you see international guys coming over and experiencing and new things. Um, Toronto Aeros have been great to me. I played there since I was 17 with the Ontario Blues. The management's great. The guys are great. Um, So it was definitely tough. Uh, Yeah, tough. Like just absorbing all that emotion but um you know i have a really good relationship with the free the canadian free jacks guys right regan josh isaac Fozzie. um i know i haven't met i think that there's a 12 or 13 i haven't met yet but i know as from the canadian guys everything i hear about the free jacks is awesome um <laughs> yeah. and then having you guys reach out i mean uh it kind of just shows that that this club is is awesome as well so no it's definitely um I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling comfortable with uh, things. I'm I'm really excited uh, to get down to Boston.
1: So, awesome. Yeah. We wanted to be part of the welcome wagon. You know, the news yeah. of this when it hit on Friday afternoon, I couldn't concentrate at work. I was I was so fired up. I was like, this is great. This is awesome. So excited to have him on board. Um let's talk about uh the actual trade itself because for a period of time, MLR fans thought that you were going to Utah. Um, was that a three-way deal? Was it always uh, you going to be ending up in New England? I guess is the best way to describe that.
0: Yeah, so I like found out my rights were with Utah, and then yeah, it was kind of a short turnaround where I was where I was then a New England freejack, and and like I said, I hear great things about every organization. Um, I know Emerson and Utah had said great things there, so that was uh, opportunity that I was I was interested in, and then uh, the free jacks opportunity came up, and I was like. You know like just as good like kind of let, let's ride right so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. so yeah no like um kind of ended up uh being in new england and i'm super excited about it um That's great yeah like just kind of over the moon so no it's great
1: um, so I know last year I think you started every single game for Toronto. So that means that you were at Fort Quincy uh, in that uh, wild weather game, uh, the first opening game at Fort Quincy there for uh, all the Rangers out there that were making a lot of noise. What was your impressions uh, of uh, of Fort Quincy um, there at uh, Veterans Memorial Stadium?
0: Yeah. So. I might be mistaken, but was that the first game of the of the year at, at uh, home? Yes. Yeah. yeah. St. What, Patrick's yeah. Day
3: home opener. Yeah, yep.
0: exactly. And, you know, like Boston, Saint Patrick's Day kinda of go hand in hand. So we knew it was gonna be um kind of just a, a wild crowd had had heard that, like have heard of of that. Well, even when we played there the year before, it was pretty yeah. chilly. It was raining, it was chilly. I know it was in a different mm-hmm. um yes. sta- it was stadium, in a different stadium. Yeah, Fort Union um, Point, yep exactly but um obviously it was like what three degrees and the and the crowd was still crazy so yeah (laughs) i mean just just like it was an awesome kind of just like one of those north american rugby things where of course it's going to be snowing right right yeah Um, of course we we with toronto there was like a significantly more amount of snow in a denver game um but yeah no it was great and um I think it started out decent with decent weather, and then the second half it just turned. And uh, but no, it was an awesome atmosphere regardless of the fact. Um, kind of something to look back at and be like, yeah, we pl- we played in a snow game. Uh, it was a competitive game, and no, no, no um, definitely enjoyed myself. And, and yeah. afterwards, the guys were still willing to have a beer in the tent and have some food, good, some really good food. Um, a little warm lasagna kind of love that so <laughs> but, yeah. uh, no, no no it was good it was awesome and, and the the stadium's cool I kind of like how it's in, in like uh it like it feels like a fort right like it's like yeah absolutely yep yeah. detected yeah. by uh by the stands itself no so no it was awesome awesome experience really mm-hmm. excited to call that home next year so no it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun time
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we really pride ourselves there on having an excellent atmosphere in the stands, uh, making sure that we're getting as loud as possible and being as intimidating as possible to the opposition there. Um, You know, I think that, there's there's probably another a couple teams that kind of rival that experience, uh, yeah. but uh, we want to say that we're you know we're up there as the you know top three. or want to be the number one, of course, with the atmosphere. Exactly. Um, let's talk about you know there's a lot of as you were uh, mentioning some Canadian internationals that are on the Free Jacks already. Have you heard from those guys? And just what's your excitement with linking up with them in New England? Yeah,
0: like always. We'll obviously fought. we'll start with the front row, Fozzie Kind of always have good chats with him on tour yeah. and stuff um haven't have spoken to him since and he's like awesome can't wait to have you down and and kind (laughs) of likewise right um josh i'm probably closest with josh uh just through we went to the world cup together and everything Mm -hmm. and uh he's he's like man i'm stoked about the news and and so no it's um everyone's kind of reached out with open arms which is kind of spoken volumes about um, all the boys there and, and i hear uh, great things about the other lads, even playing against them, right? Like you get you get smoked by someone, and it's like a hey, great match, bud, right? Like, so right. You know, stuff like that's just awesome, right? Eh? Like, so no, it's uh, I hear the guys are awesome, couldn't can't wait to be a part of that. So,
1: very good. Um, what was your conversation like with the performance director of the Free Jacks, Tom Kindly? And have you spoken with uh, Scott Matthew yet, the head coach? I haven't chatted
0: with Scott, uh, really looking forward to that, but Tom, like, honestly, class, class act. Uh, amazing guy, kind of just like always on his phone. If you need him, I was just kind of asking asking him some questions. Um, but yeah, like a class guy. Uh, seems like he's running like a really well drilled uh, show. Um, with with your impressions, it seems like he's an awesome guy to the fans as well. Yes, um, yes. For so for yeah, sure. I again I've known him for less than a week, right? And like he's just like an amazing guy. Um, yeah that's 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 pretty much all i have on him like just amazing amazing uh, rugby guy so yeah. um, definitely excited to um meet him in person right and um yeah. and yeah exactly i've only heard good things and experienced yeah. good things so
1: he's been on the show six times andrew i mean like and he doesn't <laughs> yeah. he's not contractually obligated to come on our show at all <laughs> by any means and you know we really appreciate him he's a fan of the show so we we really uh appreciate his time and he's just a fantastic guy dave dave knows this as well but yeah. um uh, I see that the mullet is gone right um, yeah. we had a guy we have a guy here in New England eagle. Uh, Yeah you know, I know right? the eagle come on <laughs> <laughs> Right uh, front
3: rowers get to know each other Exactly for sure, for
1: sure. Um, you know, his mullet it, and the one that you had, I mean, it was almost like a rivalry going on in terms of how majestic uh, both of them are. Any plans to bring that back? Uh, I, I could really see the Free Jacks uh, media team really doing a lot with uh, with the two majestic mullets. In the <laughs> yeah, so it,
0: it, it's, it's, I'm hoping to bring it back, obviously, okay. right? Like the eagle, the eagle's right. there, right? So, yeah, yeah, um, it's kind of scary. I'm getting a couple of grays on the side of on the side of my head, so it kind of works right with the mullet. You just always get right. the side shave and everything else, and then it looks that. Exactly. Like so, uh, but yeah, definitely bring it back. It'll take some time to get it uh, mm-hmm. to get it to where the eagle is, and I, I think he takes the cake. Um, it looks proper on him. Sometimes <laughs> it, sometimes it looks like I'm forcing it a bit, but um, yeah. no, it's definitely it'll definitely be making a comeback. So I'm I'm uh, I always I, I always like doing it. I've I've been do, having kind of Wicked hairstyles since I was 17, 18. So, I, 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 yeah, I really like it. My mom loves it. So,
1: cool nice yeah Yeah, we i i grew one myself for a period of time here over the course course of the season to raise money for charity now it didn't look fantastic but it was there for a while but i I buzzed it all down after we raised all the money for the youth rugby here in massachusetts but uh, it was a good time having i really enjoyed it as a native southern i felt like it was kind of my birthright to have the mullet (laughs) and i was i was glad to have it when i did but it just didn't look fantastic so i had to go but uh that's all my questions. I appreciate you being on here. I'll probably talk to you here at the end, but uh, Dave, take Absolutely. it away, my friend. Thanks Yeah, that. You're welcome. Uh,
3: great. Um, right now, the only player listed on the Toronto Arrows roster for 2023 is Sam Malcolm, um, who they recently announced was, was returning. It seems like there may be a lot of turnover there at the Arrows. Um, do you know, Are we? can we look for big personnel changes with our friendly rivals to the north, as we like to think of Toronto?
0: I know that like the boys love the city they love the management and the management's just look, working hard just to, I, I know, I think, well, I don't know anything actually, but I think there's some, some chats going on with current guys. Um, so I can't really say mu- I don't know much to it. Um, but I know that the organization's great to the guys, uh, the management's yeah. great. So I wouldn't be surprised, um, if there's not a lot cause the guys love playing there. Um, mm-hmm. they're treated well and stuff, but, um, there, there there definitely could be. Um so yeah, I, I that's really all I really know about that. But I know that the current guys love love playing there. It is a great place to play. The organization's great. Um and, and just like Boston, um, the guys are awesome too. So they have a great co they have a lot of cohesion there. Um, yeah. So uh, there'll be I'm I'm sure there'll be a lot of the same faces faces around there.
3: Yeah, the core of players has been really tight for a long yeah. time. So, I mean, in, as an outsider, to me, that really suggests what you're saying, that players like it, management is solid, you know. I've um, So the, the uh, other evidence backs that up, too. It exactly. seems like a really good organization. Yeah. Um, you're I didn't be... want to just uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Just show this here.
1: We've got Spider, <laughs> uh, the super fan of all super fans for the yeah. Free Jacks. Just welcome you to the family, Andrew. You're going to see him a lot uh, in the stands. You might Thanks, might have a, appreciate it.
3: You'll have an opportunity to sign his Daisy Dukes probably at some yeah. point. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs>
0: can't wait. <laughs> uh,
3: you're going to be well prepared for the Boston winters coming from Toronto, from yeah. north of Toronto. So that won't be a problem. Uh, but what's something you're going to miss about Canada and, uh, being around that region?
0: I think like, honestly, I, um, maybe some like, not like non-rugby friends. I have so many yeah. close guys on the team. Um, like, like Toronto and I'm sure like Boston with, uh, with new England, like those guys are going to be like my best friends, right? Like let's go do this, but it is awesome to, to reach out to a couple buddies from university and, and catch up. Uh, so I'll probably miss that. Um, I'm re- like I can't comment on the food. The food in Toronto is amazing, yeah. but like I am like I have Italian heritage, so I am like a sucker for pizza and stuff like that. Um, you know, only on off days, only on off days. Of <laughs> but uh, um, I'm sure the I'm sure just like Toronto, the food's great there. I hear yeah. it's like from where i what I've experienced, it's an amazing city, great sports city. Yeah, uh, yeah. you get the, the Jays. I love the Jays. I do. Yeah. I yeah. Alejandro yep. Kirk, yep. Alec Manoa um so i guess i'll miss that most about toronto unless they're playing at fenway of course mm-hmm. um, yep. but yeah and men, and family too right um my mom comes to every single game uh so there's my uh, my sister comes the most so they're awesome so i'm definitely looking forward to having them down to boston and uh so yeah a couple those three things i'll probably miss the most
3: very cool. We'll, we'll make sure to treat them right. We get a lot of family and friends in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, that. actually, we are talking about Kyle earlier. His family's always there partying. Awesome. The I've, I've seen his mom send him into the locker room to get game balls and sign them for kids. She'll be like, Kyle, there's a kid out here. Get a ball. It's <laughs> it's very wholesome. It's really encouraging. So. Hey,
0: you know what? Uh, just one thing. You know what I think you're talking about fans and everything? And the one thing I can remember is seeing all the tailgating going on. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's not really popular in Canada, honestly, but... I saw that and I'm like – because 'Cause I've heard about a couple of buddies go to the NFL games and stuff, right? right. But uh, yeah. so I saw that and I'm like, Oh my goodness, like this is this is this is the real deal, eh? Like I, yeah. so. we
1: had maybe fifty or so people at the last home game just tailgating it up. It was incredible. Yeah, to have all those people was, around. I heard
0: it was like exponential growth. It was like, Yeah, a couple, a couple and then follow. Yep. Like everyone yeah. just kinda of throwing the it's, party
1: so. it, It's getting better and better and I, I'm I, I can't wait to see what's gonna happen this coming season and in, in twenty three. It's gonna be epic, yeah.
0: Definitely. Awesome! No, that's uh, that's good fun. <laughs>
3: we definitely sure. we have a good time in Quincy.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure do. Uh, we went. Uh, I went with Josh Larson to the, the Fat Cat. I nice. Know, I don't know if you fellas know where that is. I, I can't give directions, but is I know that on, it's it's on Hancock
3: Street. Yeah, it was.
0: That was. Yeah, yeah, it's on Hancock Street. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's just right okay. down the
3: street from the Jacks uh, HQ. Yeah. yeah the Mets. Exactly. Yeah. Stuff. Yep. So that was a good Pretty spot. Good. Nice um, you were the recipient of the first S Marcus Calloway community impact award for the 2022 season. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the work you did as the Eros community leader, um, and about optimism place, which was the charity recipient you designated, which I think you've had a long standing relationship with.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'll chat on that. Um, first of all, like, the guys are great in Toronto, right? I think I would might've just approached an idea like, hey, what do you guys think about this? And it would have been possible with all those guys, um, you know, hands up, yeah, what can I do? How can I help? Uh, so we, we would go to a couple trainings, my home club, a couple other clubs we visited. Um, and those guys are just awesome. We did some uh, clothing drives um, and then uh, we had donated them to some clubs or, or people in need, but uh, yeah so we ran with the optimism place um just briefly one of my good friends from probably one of my best buddies from university his fiance she worked with um the optimism place and it was a woman's shelter in Stratford, ontario probably an hour and a half outside of toronto and um every year at university we would just have um it didn't cost to go to a university game i'm sure like um like the States. So it was just free entry. So we just said, Hey, could you guys bring a donation? And it was a lot of friends and family coming to those games, probably, I don't know, 250 people. So we started very small, um, kind of just fill in the back of a pickup truck. And, uh, we started that in 25th, uh, 2016. And, um, the boys there are still doing it, which is great. So I, I graduated 2018 now. Um, and then I said, you know what, Selena, Hey, like, do you think we could make this work with an arrows game? And she's like, uh, yeah, like probably. So, um, she set up, uh, we set up a donation drive, and then there was, mo- you, could, you could make a monetary donation as well. And uh, it was just so well accepted by the organization, um, and like even the fans, like obviously, and then the players were donating. So uh, it was just, I'm, like I said, I just, I kind of I brought like a couple ideas, and uh, without like the organization, um, the fans, and like most importantly, the guys, um, we wouldn't have been able to, uh, to kind of execute the things we did. And that's, again, speaking on, on Tom again, I just said, hey, like, you know, I don't want to overstep, but like, we'd would, would like to get in the community and stuff uh, in Boston and, and give back if we can. He's like, hey, that, like, it sounds like we align here. Like, we love doing that. Um, so, yeah, kind of looking forward to that, but was super honored um, to win the award. And, and yeah, it, it genuinely wouldn't have been possible without uh, without the guys. So, Yeah.
3: Well, it's really great work that you and the, and the whole community have been doing up there in Toronto. And we look forward to seeing and helping uh, more work here in the Boston area. I've got a couple ideas I hitch hit you up later. Perfect. Um, yeah. But we, uh, we always do, in November, we do a, a Child's Play charity, which is a mm-hmm. fundraiser for children's hospitals. It's one of the things, a lot of awesome. the fan yeah. communities that we did it just last year, kind of as an informal thing. And I think this year we'd like to get a little bit yeah. more formal connection with the club. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a few months out. Uh, should be fun who doesn't like playing video
1: games to raise you know money exactly (laughs) i I just created andrew and uh rugby challenge four so yeah we'll have to we'll have to do that (laughs) Uh,
3: i personally i mentioned probably every episode that i was a prop so i was very excited to see you come and i get excited for the front row players um, fill in a really critical position, and we've just had a stalwart player, Peter Jansen, departing um, that left a big question mark. So to hear that you were coming in was really a, a, a relief for a lot of players who were asking big questions, or players, fans who, uh, probably players as well, um, who were you know wondering what was going to happen with um, Peter, who'd been with the team for so long, um, departing. You played every match in 2022. You're a position leader in several categories, which include ball carries. You had 152 carries. To give Free Jacks fans a reference point, LaRue Milan, our center, had 160 carries. Mm-hmm. So 152 yeah. is a very large number yes, of sure carries, especially for a front row forward. Um, that is a lot physically to play all those matches, to do that much ball carrying. You do a lot of work defensively as well. A lot of breakdown arrivals. What is your recovery and rest like, given the physical toll that this sport takes on people?
0: Um, Yeah, I think like, every like so many guys in this league are like so big right and everyone just bangs so hard I think a lot of it on the other side of it is like mentally recovering as well like just like taking a day like going to get a coffee relax totally relaxing like that um so I start with that because I think that's super important I think only in the past couple uh like years so um, I've recognized that Rob Howley, uh, the coach for the assistant coach for Canada, and he works with DRS he, he, was, uh, I had kind of consulted with him about that, like resting and recovering. And he said, that's super important. Like, so I really took that, um, into case of my own. And, and um, but in terms of physically, um, the Theragun, like you, you've seen those like percussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. those Like those are, those work wonders. Um, I, I like to, I, I feel I feel weird wearing calf sleeves because I feel like calf sleeves look really good on like fast guys. So like I do kind of wear them, you know. And especially in the winter, I can get away with it under my pants. Yeah. Um, but calf calf sleeves are great, and I think one of the most underrated recovery ones is uh, like like a stretcher, like a something you can do is like rolling your feet on a lacrosse ball. feels uh, so yeah. feels so good, and I'm generally tight through like my posterior chain, so I find that relieves a lot. Um, but yeah, like the shoulder, I feel like uh, with bones, like bones hurting, you can't really do anything. And like you guys know, but like, yeah, so it's just kind of like you know ice and and honestly, the Normatex, those are I guess it's like a it's like a massage. You would put it's like a wrap. You put the, you like put it on. You kind of get into it. It's a suit, I should say. Okay. And it like runs air, but also uh, it compresses and stuff. Huh. They're very like they're like. Thirteen hundred dollars Canadian, so I mean, you guys, your currency is pretty good. So it's like a thousand bucks, USD. Um, All right, they're like top, they're top of the line. So I would say, yeah, like rolling the feet, um, definitely using the theraguns and, and the Normatex, but but mental rest, I think, is very important as well. Yes, that's good.
3: I love that. I know Josh is a big coffee guy, so I can see yeah, you guys salty. grabbing a grabbing yeah.
0: some Joe in the morning. Yeah, salty, He'd salty have to pick the place though. Yeah, he snaps. Go give that a follow
3: on Instagram there. 100%. Right. Um, you it, last season, the arrows had to play the entire year outside of Canada. Um, so two part question How was that? Must have been difficult. So, just kind of overall, I'm sure it's a long story, but what was that yeah. like, and how did you guys manage that down in Georgia? And then, second part, how good did it feel to finally get back in front of that home crowd when you could finally go back?
0: Yeah, like, um, yeah, so first part of the question, it was, honestly, overall, it was an experience of the lifetime, like, just, again, kind of like, you're living with the boys, which was, which was awesome. Yeah, we would kind of get on top of each other, and it would be like, all right, all right, like, I'm going to my room, and whatnot. So it was, that was quite an experience. Um, The kind of bonds you made, like, because we had a pool in, in the back of our hotel, um which was cool yeah and the team actually got us some barbecues so we were we were set up for success in 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 atlanta for as much success as we could have right it was it was tough it was tough not being home you know i'm not going to dance around that um but yeah uh with atlanta as well great we kind of had this great um partnership so we were using their facilities their facilities are great um And they were like very open to us like making our schedule around um things which which i believe um, was the case because connor keys a a fellow canadian lock was, was vocalizing that as well as matt heaton um so yeah it was definitely an experience of a lifetime being down there something i'll never forget um yeah it was crazy it was awesome like i think we were super lucky as canadians because we got vaccinated um we were able to get vaccinated right away when we came down um and i like um so i think like they basically did in canada like the older you were you could get vaccinated so a lot of my friends didn't get vaccinated like five six months after i did so super fortunate in in regards to that and um so yeah and it was it was definitely interesting right because we had lockdowns here until like we had lockdowns for two and a half three not three years but two 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 and a half years type of things like still Mm -hmm. restrictions so and in atlanta they were all kind of gone um, yeah. So no, it was definitely <laughs> interesting. It was an interesting time to be alive for everyone, right? Yeah. Um, but definitely something I will never forget. Um, memories were made when we go, when we went back this year. We're like, we gotta go to the Shearway Gardens. We got that's where we stayed. We're like, we got go <laughs> it. was a little bit of banter. Uh, so going back there, honestly, it was a little nostalgic, but. Uh, um and sorry uh dave what was your second question there uh just
3: when you finally got to return to toronto yeah, this yeah. season when you finally yeah. got that first home match uh, yeah, i mean yeah everybody so, was even like not i as a non-fan i was like that's the match of the week you know like toronto is gonna just absolutely be overjoyed the fans the players everybody must have been so excited to finally have rugby in toronto again
0: yeah totally and it was kind of like it was funny cause we were playing Atlanta, right? Like, so like right. um, kind of a, whether, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, but it wasn't coincidence. So, but um, yeah, maybe a little too emotional to be home. I don't think we didn't play that well, um, but it was just so good to be back. Some guys like Tommy De La Vega, he joined the team in the, in the year that COVID happened. So 2020 mm-hmm. played six yeah. games on the road and still had never played in Toronto. I played, you know, 20 games for the organization. Um, so even for a guy like that, I think there was a couple other guys that that was the case. Um, it was just it was just it was awesome. it was awesome to be home and um, yeah it's a, it was a great like it was a new facility too to play at. so no it was great. Uh, really good experience um, on sunny days there I not remember I think New England, New England was a night game this year but like on Sunday afternoons at 12 o'clock it was it was a great time to play so it was sunny and it was good vibes and the fans were the fans were awesome the fans. Seems like everywhere in the MLR, there's great fan bases. So it's, it's, it, was, it was awesome, honestly.
1: I was there at the uh, the Toronto home game against the, the, the Free Jacks. I was like the only – my girlfriend and I were like the only Ranger oh, yeah. fans over there. The, uh, yeah, the Free Jacks fans. But, uh, yeah, that was a butt whooping for sure. But uh, the atmosphere was pretty good. You know, we walked in there like, oh, high and mighty. We, you know, we're, we're, we're Free Jacks fans. We're not going to experience anything like uh, no. Fort Quincy. But it was pretty decent. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, it was it's pretty good. Not exactly. bad. Yeah. Was, much uh... better than New Jersey, by the way. Much, much better in terms of atmosphere. <laughs>
0: I think Hoboken's a great city. Yeah, it's just um, it'd be tough playing there, right? Like we yeah, were actually yeah. um, uh, Ron and my uh, teammate in Toronto. We were actually down in in um, at the at the Red Bull Stadium. Gorgeous! Yeah. What a yeah. what a day that was. That was the league. That was they they crushed it. That was an awesome atmosphere. Uh, the fans down there were great, um, and it was a it was a good game. So yeah, no. Um, I can imagine how hard it is to play in like a city like New York, right, or New Jersey yeah. to find a facility. Yeah, sure. the
3: the venues just aren't there, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. that's the biggest problem that they that they face. It's they get a lot of flack for it. I mean, and we give them flack for it, but at the end of the day, it's not like there's a great rugby stadium right in New yeah. York City that they're just yeah. pretending oh, isn't great. there. It's just it's just it the like facilities it. are really tough to work around, especially mm-hmm. a city as big as New York. Everything's utilized from sun up to sundown, you know. For sure. Um, You uh, had the opportunity to play in the 2019 World Cup uh, in Japan. You played against New Zealand, South Africa. What was the trip overall like? And then I have another question about just those scrums against South Africa. What is that even like? I cannot imagine packing down against the most forward-dominant team on the planet, you know, and what, what that even is like physically, you know, psychologically
0: yeah it's honestly it was it was like absolutely insane i wish i could slow it i wish i could put it in like five times slow mode just to like relive it because it seemed like 80 minutes was honestly 10 minutes um again like i was unfortunately uh eric had took a eric howard had took a head knock so i was able to to come on against new zealand and he was he was okay but uh yeah like that was crazy um like cody taylor like right, just guys like guys that you watch and 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 yeah just like that they're like they're rugby stalwarts like for the whole world um so like so fortunate to play in that the trip was amazing um the host cities were made um we were in a city in nagato it was west coast japan um okay phenomenal uh like just like yeah like it was it was, like i'm getting i'm actually getting chills like you know just thinking about it how like welcomed you were um and like you know being canadians everyone was like oh they're from canada right you should get a a warm welcome um but no it was awesome like i i yeah it, it's it was we did this thing where it was like um like what what is your like honestly your proudest moment or i guess your favorite moment of your life and like There was a lot of guys that that had pretty much everyone that went to the World Cup said going to the World Cup. I think it was more than just the label of "Hey, I'm at the World Cup." It was the stuff with it, like you know, if you wanted a pink Gatorade, there was a pink Gatorade, or if you like, there was like anything (laughs) you could. You're just treated like a king, and it's like you're super thankful to be going from, um, yeah, like right, like I, I haven't been, I've really only been playing rugby for what at that time maybe eight, 10 years. Right. And and here I am. So it was definitely super fortunate. Um, especially with the hookers in front of me, Ben Juan and hat and Eric Howard, um, and, and Ray Barkle was there. who was on the staff. Like, um, so again, like Ray was a guy I watched, right. And kind of that. And it, yeah, it was just, I'm kind of lost for words talking about it. The trip was great. And then playing against, you know, New Zealand and South Africa, um, and even Italy. Um, yeah just like an opportunity of a lifetime that a lot of that a lot of people won't get and like uh i think it like that kind of reminds you not to take it for granted um especially when like you're watching Springboks in new zealand play this past weekend right right uh, yeah and it's just like you know those guys that it, like the, they're running at the, in those collisions so hard and it's like i was i was fortunate enough to be there to like at, at one point like the game might not have been as competitive but um yeah it was uh it was it was a crazy experience so yeah
3: i'm sure it remains crazy you're watching the match yesterday and you're like oh yeah kiss off i i scrummed yeah, against him I mean, malcolm like, marks <laughs> yeah we backed down like
0: vincent, yeah vincent uh vincent like Conk. i remember like i remember he was phenomenal um yeah and like i think S- snyman played in that game rj yeah. know, like he was he was crazy as well um yeah. so yeah it was put just out there a, running around yeah like it was it was just like an ex yeah guys you talk about with like your like like your roommates and stuff like how good are they going to be next year right and it's like they were all out there so it was just like just at the end of the day like super grateful can't take that for granted like um so yeah unfortunately we're missing out on the next one but canada's working really hard for for 2027 and i have all the faith in the guys the guys are great and that's what we're working for right so
3: yeah of course um we yeah we've all become surrogate canada fans given the number of canadians we have on the free jacks you know now mm-hmm. everybody's like all right okay they could they could be a solid number two as long as they're not playing uh yeah,
1: the usa as as, you know yeah, then uh, i can root for them all day exactly as long as usa's beating canada we'll put for you guys in yeah. other games for sure we got, to, <laughs> we got to
3: team up and whoop some of those south america teams at some point okay. <laughs> compare okay. notes uh, those guys are improving yeah. rapidly um yeah. So you also to come back down to earth a little bit. You're you're an MLR veteran at this point. You've been around, you've seen a lot uh, that the MLR has to offer. So, you've been to many of the cities and I have I have three questions about your yeah. top city for different purposes. All right. All right. right? So, ha- from what you've seen, which team, like for an away game, what has the best stadium and player facilities? Where's the place where you're like, "Oh, I'm going to get like great shower." good stuff you know it's not just a gravel parking lot with a tent over it like you know our, our first stadium well, Newport, was here in boston yeah.
0: yeah yeah um i think yeah that was crazy i remember that that was so cool We our, fans actually, didn't even I, know we heard
3: about it like at the end of the season we were like seriously <laughs> that was what these guys did all year the free,
0: jacks, the free jacks must have had someone analyze it because i think the free jacks had an elevated ground. so like the arrows changing was actually flooding because it was raining like <laughs> it's, it's kind of like kind of yeah um i would say from what i've seen and i guess we really only go into like so the game day facility uh houston's is probably is like top yeah. class because it's like built facility um for that like that is that's a classy facility And utah utah um yeah. the backdrop like the backdrop mm-hmm. of the mountains at elevation, right? It definitely doesn't favor the Type Five, <laughs> Dave. Right? Like we're struggling yeah. out there, but uh, a gorgeous facility as well. Um, was honestly the Atlanta gym is like I'm. I would say like I, I really enjoy working out and stuff like that. Um, the Atlanta gym's awesome. Like rogue gear. Like you're in there, and I, like I can I can see why the guys love it. So that's really the only gyms I've ever. That's really the only gym I've ever been in. Um, okay. I've seen the Three Jacks gym actually. Uh, when Josh and I had gone out, we walked past it. It was locked, but it looks yep. it looks very nice. So I'm excited excited to get in there.
3: Yeah, they're uh, still building out a big space in the basement of that building too. Let's so that, yeah, I I uh, TK actually I think posted some pictures. He did recently. Yeah. Um, so it's still that's in good. progress. So you guys will probably I would guess I have no idea, but I would guess you'll be in that same weight room this this year but i don't yeah, know they might have the out. new they might have the new gym downstairs uh finished by them which will only be an upgrade so
0: yeah so i would say yeah uh, um sorry um utah and houston those are like gorgeous gorgeous facilities split. Nice. and grass and grass turf and, and houston which is definitely nice in the body right, yes yeah. So. Okay, yeah
3: it's good to have a little bit of give not get yes. you know all your skin exactly. ripped off every time you hit the ground um, second question, and it may be Utah again because they have the highest attendance uh, of any mm-hmm. team. But which team's fans are the loudest? Which stadium is would so with, noisy uh, you can't even call a
0: line out? I Seattle. Yeah, I would go with Seattle. Oh, okay, um, yep. I remember we played them in the semifinals in 2019. Yes, and it was it was so loud because they get their grandstand, and it's almost like it would it echoes out. But i actually think it's louder on the other side where it's the smaller grandstand because all of that um noise is coming at you and um yeah that's that's a great facility to play it as well like that's uh starfire is awesome if you guys ever have a chance
1: um i'd love to go their fans are class acts most of them
0: jack like if the free jacks are out there this year like let's ride like that's that'll be hell yeah that will be a great game so I'd love to San,
3: San Diego moving to Snapdragon yeah. this yes, coming season. Yeah. That's going to be unreal. Nobody's been yeah. there yet, but guess, everything I've yeah. heard is going to be crazy.
0: It's going to be crazy. Smitty, the, the Canadian boys down there excited. Smitty's really excited to be at Snapdragon. So, um, no, yeah, but uh, definitely um, Seattle. They're they're loud. They're uh, it's it's a good good atmosphere to play them, especially as a visitor. So
3: excellent. Yeah, they have a reputation for just. Being really great fans of every sport mm-hmm. out there, basically yeah. it doesn't doesn't it almost doesn't matter what kind of game you're going to. it's gonna be packed and they're gonna be noisy and and having a good time. <laughs> um my last question, perhaps the most important one in terms of travel the match day is over. you know you're celebrating a victory. you're going out into the city Saturday night. What's the best city to be in for that Saturday night after the match hanging out That's with the boys the match
0: had a really good honestly, Austin's amazing, yep austin i do like country music so austin's a great city yeah yeah all right um, very good big uh big riley green fan bring zach zach bryan fan i don't know if you'd consider that country maybe folky but uh austin's good um honestly boston too because it's just like uh, i'm not just saying that like i think the people are great like the, the conversation is great you can have a conversation with anyone i feel um yeah, so I would definitely say those two. Hoboken, too, uh, we're, we're New York place. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, you can pretty much, I feel like you can find anything there. Um, I would be like, honestly, I would say Toronto as well. I know that. Yeah. I know it's like there might be other, I'm pretty much naming off every team in the i agree
1: with life. toronto like i was pleasantly surprised i had no idea what i was getting into i was like oh this is a big city i didn't realize you know but it's it, it, I, I loved it it felt like a small town like almost because it's just not it's not russell bustle the people are not rude yeah. there i loved it exactly and so where were you staying phil if you don't mind me asking like where you uh, i was i was staying in a hotel um in york i think it was the okay. was it up near the field um it was like maybe a 20 minute ride like south of it i think oh, okay yeah yeah
0: so like that like the, like yeah like there's the financial district which yes. I think a lot yes. of cities have and yeah mm-hmm. it's like towers and you're like it, for me it's overwhelming pretty overwhelming but like the west side and stuff like that is is gorgeous queen queen street west Broncesville. um yeah that those are all there's like pockets everywhere that's awesome bloordale like just so yeah no it's i'm sure there's i know that there's like places like that in boston where it's like you know south south boston and um Is there Cambridge and?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So
0: um, no, Toronto's a great city. But yeah, there's a there's a couple really good cities, and I feel like there's a good mix of like what you can find um, in those definitely those four cities: New uh, New York, Austin, Austin, Toronto. So.
3: Excellent. Well, that was my last question. Thank you very much for your time. I know Phil has a few more
1: things. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Really good chat. I can see why TK is always hitting y'all up to
1: come on. (laughs) We try to have fun on here, man, for sure. Uh, Let's talk about the, we like to do this in every single episode. Actually, before we get to that, I'm going to throw in something that I did not write down because you're technically an international guy. and We like to do this with all of our international free jacks. Um, Give us your best Boston accent real quick oh, <laughs> i oh, I, need,
0: I need to hear one but uh i only do know like the typical like see like i get my new york and boston mixed up like i do with with the uk and ireland you know yeah, um, yeah. but i really only know like i'm going out and, uh, i can't even do it I like boston y- you I had it yeah boston. yeah that's
3: Boston. But I throw yeah. the
0: Canadian A in there, right? So like I'm <laughs> probably a mess down there trying to fit in.
3: <laughs> That's all right. I still – I say wicked and y'all because yep. I'm from the yeah. south a long time back. But, yeah. So we, we encourage people to mix it up Boston, in the Boston sure. area, you know. you can, you can, like
0: – I guess you could like, – in my head, I put it like B-A-W-S-T-O-N.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Boston, yeah.
0: Boston, yeah. Boston. For
1: sure. Oh, yeah, I, gotta, I guess I got to get better at that. So. Yeah, we're both not – from here, essentially, like we were both raised in the south, and I moved up here 12 years ago, so I still say y'all as well. And you know, it, depending on how many beers I have, I, the southern accent <laughs> really comes out sometimes, especially yeah. if I'm on the phone yeah. with my family or something like that. It's yeah. wild, but I'll say like all set, that's a very northern thing, set, and yeah. yeah, all set, yeah um let's go ahead and go over to the storm along one word association here storm along mass appeal andrew highly recommend this uh american hard cider here storm along made in massachusetts oh yeah yep mass appeal um what we like to do here is i'm going to say one word or maybe a series of words and the first word that pops in your mind let me know what you think okay all right cool
0: do we got a test run here or are we just jumping right into it
1: we're jumping right into it my it here
0: we go canada
1: oh that's oh just the one word yeah, yeah. just throw one more yeah, probably, probably a all right <laughs> uh mlr fun arrows Toronto. boston
0: i i i want to say how are you i don't know why but i <laughs> like just how are you like boston how are you
1: all right uh trailer park trailer park boys
0: uh glasses i think of
1: what's his name i'm not into tv i like
0: documentaries but uh okay uh. bubbles it's bubbles yeah bubbles yeah, is bubbles. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> how about maple syrup pancakes all right um maple leaves toronto yeah toronto okay Toronto. That's all I got for you, man. Uh, listen, th- this has been fantastic. We appreciate your time. you have been very generous with your time. I, I, I can speak for day. I'm sure. We are super excited that you're a part of the Free Jacks. I mean, that was just the best news of all time. You know, we've had a lot of departures that have been announced for the Free Jacks over the past few weeks, and we were kind of feeling a little bit down, right, because of the loss to New Jersey and all that sort of stuff. But having you announced as a new player for the Free Jacks has really um, – have, it has me fired up for sure. So we're we're really super excited that you're a part of the Pre-Jacks, man.
0: Dave, that, yeah, like uh, no, just you you messaging me right away, kind of thing, and seeing if we can <laughs> show the uh, the class of the fans there. And I'm sure that's just the iceberg, and there's a there's a lot more people like that. So
1: for sure, hey,
0: I'm looking forward to getting to getting down there and getting to work with the guys, um, getting a new hard preseason, and then. Uh, Having some having some real good fun rugby in uh, in the season and, and definitely interacting with the fans. But um, hey, like honestly, thanks so much. No, this has uh, this has definitely been been fun. Like I said, I can understand why Tom keeps reaching out. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you guys need anything, feel free to message me. You guys uh, appreciate so, yeah, you No, know, you guys you guys are awesome, and, and a lot of clubs
1: could use you guys with the promotion you do. So I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Well, so
3: yeah, go ahead, Dave no i just want to say thank you that was very kind
1: uh so we're gonna say one word to get out of here it's kind of a thing that we say as free jacks fans uh it, it, it it's on the screen but you can't really see it it's huzzah, what is it, huzzah? yeah
0: Can you, could you touch a little bit in the hu- what is huzzah? i see it on the
1: hashtags yes yeah, so huzzah is it comes I, it's prior to this but the american revolutionaries um used it as a celebratory just shout in battle oh. after battle um, stuff like that, so it just it just means you know something good is happening essentially. Yeah. Just an yeah. exclamation
3: like hooray, but oh, it, man, you know yeah. it was a period yeah. phrase. They said it around the For revolution, sure. you know. That's kind uh, of a, like it's like three cheers.
1: That makes you know what's
0: actually funny. This is crazy that I, I've never really thought of it because I never really asked because kind of just turned my brain brain off. Unfortunately, I do apologize to my high school, but before like they would do announcements in high school, they would do the national anthem and then they would say at the end of the national anthem huzzah denison so okay. now that i'm right reflecting on. on that i can <laughs> understand where that comes from that's crazy that it's taken me eight years <laughs> to acknowledge that nine years so. <laughs>
3: and so, it, and it, at the free jack smashes we do the 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 crowd does a huzzah for every try for right. the free jack so first try is one second try we do two huzzahs yeah. third try we do three so we always want at least four
1: huzzahs a match you know
0: awesome and the bonus point
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly absolutely all right, we're going to say huzzah in three, two, one.
0: Huzzah! huzzah!
1: Rangers, tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com interact with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're liking and commenting on all the graphics and content that we post on our social media profiles. We would greatly appreciate that. Make sure that you're staying engaged with us there. We greatly appreciate all the Rangers that do that. Really enjoyed talking with Zach Lanning and Andrew Quatran in this episode. Really hope that you enjoyed listening to it. We will be back in about two weeks time for episode 52. Hoping to have have interviews, introductory interviews with all of the Free Jacks draft selections. So stay tuned in for that as we continue to ride on through the offseason here. Appreciate you riding with us as always, Rangers. I've got one word for you, and that is huzzah! Woo!